Hello and welcome to the special edition of the Out of My Mind podcast. Today I want to talk to you about a topic that most people avoid, a topic that I've been dealing with in my counseling ministry for years, and a topic that I think requires discussion. Today I'd like to talk to you about porn as slow motion suicide. Now, what I'm going to have to say is painful, uh, painful for some to hear, painful for me to say. These are saying hard things, and sometimes you have to say hard things. Porn is harmful. It takes something natural, something beautiful, and bends its purpose into shapes and variations that are foreign to the intended design. Sexual pleasure is a gift. It's intended for the intimacies of the marital relationship. It's a deeply personal experience, or is intended to be. It was designed as a private affair, and porn violates all these foundational aspects of sexual intimacy. Sexual intimacy and sexual contact should be voluntary between two consenting adults, preferably in marriage, according to God's design. But characteristically, there's some attraction. It's not intended for strangers. It's also intended for procreation, the birth and blessing of children. This is not the case with porn. Porn violates all of this. Porn is voyeurism. Typically, porn involves a spectator who, rather than peering through a window like yesterday's Peeping Tom, is peeping at something something or someone through a camera lens or a screen of some sort. The actual participants may not even know each other. They may have different or opposite sexual attractions or orientations, and they're simply prostituting themselves for money. They may have never met before. Likely their names are aliases or so-called stage names. And so let us not forget that porn also involves human trafficking in many cases. Many of the participants in porn videos are women or little girls or little boys who've been kidnapped and exploited in unspeakable ways. They're performing sex acts for the camera for someone else's money. And they're doing so against their will and ultimately against their well-being. And today in our society, porn is essentially legalized. In Hollywood, we have the so-called adult film industry or adult sex workers where prostitutes are having sex on camera for money, none of which is natural, none of which is normal. And so let's not kid ourselves. And when we talk about porn and sex, above all, let's understand that there are so-called designer specifications for sexual intimacy. And virtually every aspect of the porn industry violates these specs. At every level, porn is involved in some sort of bizarre activity, criminal activity morally, if not legally. But porn isn't about morals, it's about death. Porn is slow motion suicide. Porn is slow motion murder. Porn stimulates something in us that is progressively unhealthy. It's like a cancer eating away at us from inside, eating away at the soul. And, And porn creates a world for one that does not exist and cannot be had. It's unattainable because porn stimulates a part of the brain that creates a hormonal response, an endocrinal response that becomes progressively stronger and insatiable over time. It can never be satisfied. It's the same kind of a hormonal response that gambling addicts, whatever they have. It's not unlike a runner's high, and those who abuse drugs know about this. They have a similar response. And we could spend a lot of time on the science, but the science isn't the issue. The porn fantasy, you see, brings death to normal, healthy relationships between men and women, husbands and wives. When a man makes a choice to use porn, He's one step closer to adultery of some kind. Uh, When a woman uh, chooses porn, she's one step closer to adultery. And and at times, when they see these things on screen, they may try to impose this fantasy on their spouse, trying to get them to engage in some practice that maybe their spouses don't want to do. And they may want them to replicate some action or activity that they saw as they 
did their peeping Tom thing at people prostituting themselves on camera. And then what happens is resentments occur. Bizarre and often and always unfair comparisons take place and it damages and destroys intimacy levels. Eventually, the peeping Tom, the, the, the porn person, uh, develops a double life. He has the life he has with his or her family, and then he has the secret life. And, and going back to this hormonal or intracranial response, porn triggers something physiological in the body. This is where the addiction terminology comes in. And this is where there is a temptation to treat porn as a disease, something beyond our control. But the fact is, it's not beyond our control. It's a consequence of a choice that we've made. Choices have consequences. Buy crack, buy heroin, buy meth, even buy marijuana, and you step through a doorway that is going to lead to harm because you are willingly doing something with and to your brain and body that will lead to some level of dependence, physical, physiological, psychological, or otherwise, on this drug of choice. You made a moral choice that will have consequences. The fault is yours. The responsibility is yours. I'm reminded that as children, we learned that hot stoves burn. We don't touch hot stoves. Thinking adults should know that meth, crack, or anything else that affects our faculties and decision-making, at the very least, has the potential for great harm. That's why we're told that 85% of the homeless population is the result of moral, self-inflicted wounds they've done to themselves through drugs or alcohol. So the same is true with porn. It's, it's a self-inflicted wound. Like drugs, porn with its peculiar sexual urges is progressive. It tends to leave its perpetrators unsatisfied and wanting more. It creates an itch that can never be fully scratched to the satisfaction of the perpetrator. And the more porn you do, the more porn you want. Your sex drive, married or single, becomes about gratifying you, often to the harm of others. And we'll talk about that more later. But talk to anyone who's experienced porn for any length of time, and they'll tell you that they graduate to other levels of porn eventually. Someone once winced and called this a progression to abnormal porn. They, they winced because, is there normal porn? What is abnormal porn? Look, let the, that terminology sink in. Abnormal porn. Is there such a thing? What would that even look like? Perhaps they start with heterosexual porn with multiple partners or same-sex participants. At first they feel shocked, maybe even a little ashamed. Maybe there's some self-loathing, but there's always a thrill at some level. And the abnormal eventually becomes normal as their conscience dies and their soul becomes seared. And they need, they want more. And many, if not most, will eventually plumb the depths of other forms of porn. They may gratify their desires vis-a-vis -vis their own promiscuity as well, which is not without its dangers, sexually transmitted diseases like AIDS and other things and they in turn infect others. There's always harm, there's always, always collateral damage. And many perpetrators or peepers take their voyeurism to the next level. Some become literal so-called peeping toms, peeping in through windows and risking harm, even as trespassers. Others graduate to child porn, uh, violent porn, people doing violence to one another. These usually are victims of sexual trafficking who are being filmed against their will. There are worse forms, there's bestiality, and, and we'll just stop there. Some of these people become pedophiles because that is the farthest they can possibly push it. And the sad part is society and the media now try to reclassify pedophilia as something called minor attracted adults. But it all is woven into porn. They, want, they develop their fantasies by watching porn. Porn is to the body and soul like the poison arsenic. Small amounts seemingly don't harm you, except the arsenic stays in the body and builds up over time and eventually you reach a, a level of lethality. It's the same with porn. 
porn builds up in the soul and the body and the mind over time. It kills the conscience. It numbs it to the point that it has little normal sensation or feeling. It's distracted. It's preoccupied. It, it disables the moral compass affecting choices and decisions. And one becomes morally lost or rudderless. It destroys reason. It destroys relationships, career, children. In my counseling ministry, I've met individuals who are exposed to porn at the age of eight or nine or ten years old, and they are damaged by it. Sometimes an adult shows it to them. And this is the problem with our society today. Porn is everywhere. It's so readily available on the internet. And nowadays, at least in California, it's part of the public school curriculum. Children are subjected to porn and they are scarred for life from an early age. That is going to change their lives forever and depart from divine intervention will become a distraction, an obsession that one's participation in porn in one way or another contributes to a variety of moral crimes. They create a market of exploitation for sex traffickers. There are extreme cases where the proclivity for porn leads to the perpetrator committing sex crimes from peeping Tom and peeping in windows to inappropriate contact with strangers and crowds, unwilling victims, uh, little children, uh, crimes of sexual violence like rape or incest. Porn leads there. Porn involves death by inches, death by a thousand cuts, and you are killing yourself and others through your activity and its collateral damage. And that's why porn is a slow motion suicide, because you're doing it to yourself. Now, is there hope? There is. Is the road easy? It's not. It's difficult, but always remember that difficult doesn't mean impossible. Which brings us to the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. There is help. There is rescue. There is divine intervention. When you turn to the God of porn, to the God of the universe. But what if you're already a Christian? Are there Christians struggling with porn? Well, contrary to popular mythology, urban legend, and popular Christian literature, Porn is not every man's battle. However, there are more involved in porn than one might imagine, and fewer than, than what we are led to believe. And so we have to be wary of popular Christian literature normalizing porn. That's a suicidal tendency too. And, it, and, it's, and it's the, porn becomes the new normal. Oh, I have, it's like having a bad knee. And, and we normalize the abnormal, like homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, minor attracted adults, i.e pedophiles, and porn. These things are gaining currency in our culture. Are you struggling with porn? What can you do now? Let me give you some suggestions. Number one, don't see yourself as a victim. Don't see yourself as sick. You haven't caught a cold or COVID-19. Like a crack addict, you made decisions that have come back to haunt and harm. But you can also make new decisions and chart a new course. But make no mistake, you are a perpetrator. You have engaged in actions. You have a choice. We are all perpetrators, right? We're all sinners. Pornography is a sin. It's a sin against God. It's a sin against humanity. It's a sin against the actors on the video. It's a sin against nature. But know this, your situation is serious. I think we've made that very clear, but it is not hopeless. I'm reminded that when the Lord appeared to Abraham and Sarah in their old age and told them they were going to have a child, Isaac, they couldn't believe it. And he asked them, is there anything too difficult for God? Jesus remarked that nothing is impossible for God, even if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. And so we know that God is on your side. We know that you have resources. The question is that you have to ask and answer in your own heart, do I want to change? Do you really want change? Do you really want it? Because in the end, it is up to you. There is help available, real help, 
life-changing help, but you have to take responsibility. And we'll talk about that more in the next episode. I hope this episode was in some way helpful to you. I know this is a difficult topic and we'll be dealing with it again in the future. In the meantime, this is Keith Crosby with the Out of My Mind podcast signing off until we post our next episode. Until then, may God keep you and God bless you.